Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Some people celebrate their 50th year by buying a flashy sports car or taking an expensive trip. David Murphy had a different way of marking the milestone. The O'Fallon man resolved to visit every active parish in the St. Louis Archdiocese. That ended up being 190 churches, and he wanted to do it all in one year. So joining me today to talk about this unusual quest is David Murphy. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. So David, this is really a unique mission here. What made you decide to do this for your 50th year? Well, you know, I'm real big into setting goals. And so usually in December, I reflect on how I did for the year. My goals fail most of them, right? You set them and you, you know, the, the, it's about the journey, not about the goal. So I struggle Whatever, in December, I figure out what I'm going to do for the next year. And I try to set my goals like three different ways, personal, maybe business-wise, and then like a spiritual goal. Mm -hmm. And so for Lent, like people give up chocolate for Lent or whatever, I usually go to Mass every day because I'm not good at getting up in the morning. So this year for turning 50, I thought, man, I got to do something epic. Um, And epic is just whatever I say in my head is epic. You decide what's epic. Yeah. So I decided... I'm going to try to go to every parish in the Archdiocese. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Like, why don't I just try it? And so it sounded a lot easier than it was. I was going to say, did you have any sense at that point of just what you were getting into? No, I had no idea, like, even the boundaries. I mean, it's 10 counties plus St. Louis City. This is a really big footprint, and I think most people have no idea. Um, And you decided you weren't just going to go drop by and see the physical church. You wanted to go there for Mass. For Mass, correct. And it had to be in the church. So a lot of these parishes have mass maybe in the rectory during the week because they don't have enough parishioners to open their church. No, no, it didn't count. I have to go. Sometimes I'd go there to drive and come back. So you wanted to make this very hard on yourself. Yes. I'm wondering how much planning did you have to do on the front end to figure out, okay, here's where, here's this list of all these churches. Here are their mass mm-hmm. times and figure that out with, I mean, you've got a busy life as well. Yeah, it was a struggle. So I, I went on the Archdiocese website and they have a list of all their parishes. So I downloaded it into Excel, kind of a dorky guy like that. And then they're just organized alphabetically. And then I would just, you know, I know half the ones that are around my house. So I would look up their time website. Uh, I'm sorry, their mass time in the Archdiocese website, and I would go to mass. And that was good until I got way far out. Sometimes they didn't update their time, so I would drive like an hour, and mass was, they had no mass, or it was at the wrong time. I mean, how do you deal with that? If I had driven an hour for something and just kind of to check something off my list, I get there and I realize I can't check it off my list. I feel like that would have set me back spiritually. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. So what I did, right, is then I would go, I would check the Archdiocese website, then I would check the parish website, then I would open up their website and go and check their bulletin. And if I still didn't believe it, I would call them. So you had to do some triple checking here. Yeah. And I usually did it like the night before, believe it or not. I spend like a half hour figuring out where I'm going to go. So some of the logistics that went into this, it took some real planning. I'm wondering, I mean, in this 10-county area, what's the farthest drive you had to do? Yeah, so it goes north up to like Ellsbury, which is almost by Hannibal. Mm -hmm. And then it goes west out to like Warrington. And then southwest like Washington area, New Haven. And then south it goes all the way down to uh, St. Genevieve. Those were some of the farthest ones. So how long are we talking? Were you in the car to get there for this, this oh, I one wish, That's the one thing I wish. I wish I would have checked my miles, but okay. I didn't do that. But sometimes it would be, I would wake up early. I would drive an hour and 45 minutes. Mass, and during a, a daily mass is 25 minutes. And then I would drive an hour back to work. 
So this is some intense commitment here. I oh, mean, yeah. did you ever get in the middle of this project where you're thinking, what have I done? It, it's time to abandon this. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I just thought I'm going to, uh, this is something I can fi- I can do this. I can make it happen. But it didn't take 190 days, right? So life gets in the way. So some weeks I could go to nine churches. Like I looked up all the rules and you can, you can have communion twice in a day, but you have to go to mass for communion. You, you can't just show up for communion. So you can really go to two masses a day. So like on Sundays, if I would drive way far away, I would get like an 8 o'clock mass and then maybe a 9.30 on the way home. And sometimes it would be the same priest. I know he's looking at me like, didn't I just see you? <laughs> the same priest handling two different parishes. Yeah. Someone had two or three parishes. This is quite the journey here. I mean, you feel like, oh, 190 churches in 365 days. It's not quite that simple. I no, mean, it's you, not, you not really had to do some plotting. So, if you're listening to this, we're talking to David Murphy about his quest to visit all the churches in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. If you've got a question for him or a comment about this madness that he was up to, you can give us a call at 314 382 8255. That's 382 Talk. Now, I want to talk a bit about, I mean, we were talking about the logistics there, but where this really gets interesting is just in terms of what you witnessed while you were doing this. Um, you say you really got to enjoy the historical aspect of this. What are some things that you saw as you're traveling to all these churches all over the diocese? So what, what is neat to me, especially in the, like in the rural parishes, is if you read their website, like just a little history about them, you will see that, I'll just use my name, you'll see like the Murphy family donated 10 acres in 1845, and they built a church on it. And so it was fascinating to see that. And then I got to meet a guy whose grandfather one donated the land at one of these places. He and just happened to be there while you were there? Yeah, yeah. They brought me downstairs to show me their history museum, and they brought him over because it was his. he still owns all the property all around that. It was fascinating. So I know the, the stereotype of Catholics is that sometimes we just come in for Mass, we leave right after, you don't stop and say hi to anybody. But it sounds like you had some meaningful interactions with people. How did this come about in some of these services where you ended up interacting with other parishioners? Yeah, so sometimes it would be uh, maybe the priest would say, do we have any visitors today? And I would be like the only one that doesn't know. I'd raise my hand. They would ask me what I'm doing there, and I would tell them. Or other times it might be just a parishioner after Mass. They would say, would grab me and say, hey, you're not from around here. What are you doing here? Just move in. You know, they're real friendly. And I would tell them, and then they would just open up with everything. And I'm sure they were excited to hear that, that they were part of this. Yeah, yeah. And so were they then telling you the story of their church, or they were more interested in hearing you no, tell? No, mostly it was they were interested in telling me about their church. It's amazing, no matter whether you have a gigantic old church that's absolutely beautiful or just a, a church that was – I went to one church that looked like a, literally looked like a house. Hmm. But Just every, real low-key. Yeah, everyone is so proud of their parish, hmm. and it, it really comes through. Now, you put together a list of your favorite churches. You call it your epic list. What yeah. did a church have to do to make it <laughs> on the epic list? Yeah, to get on the epic list, well, once again, it's just whatever I say it is, right? So I'm in charge. But it was what I like about the church is when they have like 25-foot, 30-foot tall stained glass windows. And I, I don't like them when they're just I'm real picky. I don't want them just to have stained glass in them. I want them to have like pictures. Right, so some of these churches, I, I now that I'm older and I'm looking at this stuff, I could see like maybe the left side of the church is all Old Testament mm-hmm. stories. The right side might be New Testament stories. So I like that. I like when there's lots of marble. I like when the pews are real old mm-hmm. and they're creaky. And when you sit in them, and to me that was like all the souls of the other people that sat in those pews were talking to me. Hmm. So you were sort of feeling in communion with Catholics of St. Louis's past. Yeah, it was awesome. And then I liked if you're in a church in the morning, and it's still dark outside, and the sun comes up, you can just see the, uh, 
the windows come to life. It's, it's awesome to be inside of there. It's pretty, it's moving. So what would you say if you had to pick one? What's the most beautiful church you saw as you were on this I mission? have one, hands down. It, to me, it's uh, in the North City, and it's called the Shrine of St. Joseph. It's unbelievable. What makes this church so special? Um, one, the history. Two, is that well, I stayed afterwards and I got a tour. And like in the 80s, I think, early 80s, late 70s, they were redoing this place. And they took out like, I'm going to get it wrong, but maybe 5,000 pounds of like bird poop out of the ceilings. Hmm. The whole place was falling down. And now to see it, it's, it's amazing. And today, does it, it have a congregation? It's doing no, well? so it's it's awesome. They only they only have mass on Sunday because on Saturday they have all day weddings. They do weddings Friday. So that's how they stay afloat. Okay, so but this it's is such beautiful. a beautiful building. Yeah, and it might even be like on the National Historic Register, like one of the only confirmed miracles in St. Louis happened at that church. Hmm. So it's amazing. And sorry, what's the name of that church again? The Shrine of St. Joseph. The Shrine of St. Joseph. Okay, yes. you've heard it here from it's someone who has see. visited yes. all 190 churches. This is the one you have to see. And stay after for the tour. <laughs> now, you mentioned that some of these churches that you went to, um, there was basically no one there, that they noticed you right away as, as being a visitor. What's the smallest mass you went to? Okay, two things. So some of these churches, as you can imagine, are, are, are gigantic. I went to a couple churches out in the rural areas. One church had eight pews on each side. That's mm. how small it was. And then I went to uh, a church, it's uh, St. Joseph Ukrainian Church. It's in Soulard, right across the street from McGurk's. And I was the only one in Mass. Just the me. The only person there. Yeah. And so obviously, like, I know what to do. But <laughs> like when you're the only one there, I think, I think I'm supposed to stand up now. I'm not sure. You find yourself second yeah, guessing. Yeah, I'm like, I guess, yeah. And did you like that, being the only person there as the priest says mass? Uh, I, I like that because it's real personal. Mm-hmm. If you, in case anybody's wondering, it takes like 38, 31 minutes. When no one else is there. When no one else is there, yeah. zip through. So you go through quick. But the whole time I'm thinking, well, this is kind of sad. I wonder how they stay afloat. Yeah. And the Catholic Church has dealt with some real turmoil in the last few decades, and a lot of it has been related to these sex abuse scandals mm-hmm. that, that have really rocked the clergy. It feels like so many people have left the faith and that churches are closing just left and right. On this journey, did you ever find yourself getting depressed? Where are my fellow Catholics? Um, yes, in some areas. But I can see just like the neighborhoods have moved. But what made me proud is some in some of the, the worst places you could go, the Catholic Church is kind of like the anchor. It's holding that neighborhood together, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good thing. What about the churches you visited that do Mass in different languages? I understand you got to see Masses in Spanish and Korean and Aramaic. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it was awesome. So in the Korean church, I, I had no idea what to do. It's kind of where I grew up over there. I didn't even know it was a Korean church, but there was a the, lady in front of This is out in North County? Oh uh, Yeah, it's in, uh, it's like on Olive and 170. Okay. And... A lady in front of me like took pity on me and gave me a book that was English to Korean so I could follow along. And then the Spanish masses, yeah, that I could follow along slightly. But the Aramaic masses, so I think in the year 1050. This the, is going way back. Yep. The Catholic Church split Eastern and Western. And so almost all the Eastern churches are like went to the East, but a few of them stayed and they have allegiance to Rome. And what, the, what they were telling me is that they're not Roman Catholic, but they're Catholic. Mm-hmm. So they still follow the archbishop into the pope, but they're not Roman Catholic. So they've developed like their own, I guess, just through their own culture. Mm-hmm. And so it was awesome. It was beautiful. It was, um, they, there's a lot of chanting, um, but the mass is essentially the same. Mm-hmm. I could see it. 
and they had books that were English and Aramaic, and I could kind of follow along. But yeah, it was the beautiful part was I had never seen anything like that. And did you feel this sense of communion that even though they're doing some things differently and you're using different languages, here you are, you're still doing that same ritual together? Yeah, for sure. That's what was awesome about it. I want to go to the phone lines. Um, Janice is calling from Webster Groves. Um, Janice, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Well, thank you for calling me. I wanted to call and ask about uh, if you visited St. Teresa and Bridget Catholic Church on North Grand. I did. I love that church, and I think the congregation there is so welcoming. It is. It's awesome. That that church actually made my epic list. Really? Oh, yeah. It? And, yeah and what it's beautiful. It, what, what about it made that epic list? I Just, know it's all in the eye of the beholder. It is. But so it's one, it's, it's old, it's historic, it's been there forever. Um, just when you walk in, it's, it's awesome. I just love, what I was really interested in a lot of these churches is the architecture one, but really like the decorations. Mm-hmm. So what fascinates me is there's probably like 3,000 million saints, right? So why do you pick this state, saint to put a statue in your church? So I was always trying to figure that out and like who they are and maybe I could figure something out. It was interesting. And people were willing to answer those questions. Yes. Did they know the answers in, in uh, many At cases? a church called the Little Flower in Richmond Heights, um, I got uh, one of the ladies at 6 o'clock mass recognized me like, you're not from, you're not a normal group. What are you doing here? So I told her and she brought me around and showed me all the statues have something to do with the youth. Hmm. So they had like St. Joan of Arc. So she was like more She'd of a, been a she teenager. Was yeah. yeah. They had St. Gerard Magellan, who's like the patron saint of fertility, things like that. So it was all a common theme. And I'm thinking, yeah, some, I'm sure they had like a parish council and they figured out which statues you want to buy and put them in there. So it was interesting to me to try to figure that out. To think about that thinking, yep. yeah. And Janice, it sounds like you're a fan of that church. Do you go to St. Teresa and, and Bridget yourself? I go with my 100 year old mother in law. Um, That's don't awesome. Know in bad weather, but we go in good weather. And, you know, the first time you get in, you're going to get your handshake and told that you're so welcome in the church. And and we often get hugs. Janice, so that's, that's great to hear. And, and that explains the appeal there. So thank you for that call. Uh, we also had a caller named Nick calling from Wentzville. Um, and he asked if Dave had noticed a significant difference in the way Catholics at various churches observe Mass. Did you notice some some big changes around the slight archdiocese? Slight difference. So I some churches, um, when Mass is over, they say uh, the prayer of St. Michael. Mm-hmm. Some don't say that. Some churches, there's a big difference like in music. Mm-hmm. Very some, big difference. Yes, some have very upbeat bands. Some just have an old organist. Some churches even offer like a no music Mass. There's one in Chesterfield that's just 7 o'clock Mass. It's no music. Mm-hmm. So maybe some people don't like music and so they can get in and out with it. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering, so you've now visited this, these 190 churches, and I understand you did not get to have a Mass at every single one. You came just a few short. Is that correct? Yeah, on the list from the Archdiocese, there was 198, and some of them are closed. And so during this, during my journey, two parishes just closed outright, one in West Alton and one in South County. Okay. And merged with so another So you one. can't end up can't visiting those. those. But closed. everything that was gettable, you yep. got. Yep, and other ones, so there's 179 parishes. There's 198 church buildings, and some of them, they just don't have anything there. Maybe weddings and funerals only. Okay. And then I visited one that wasn't on my list, the, the Pink Sisters. I you didn't even know that. In. Yeah, okay. awesome. Yes. But so now that you've seen all these places and got to go to all these different services, I'm wondering, what's your biggest takeaway from this year of, of seeing all there is in the archdiocese? Uh, 
well, it's two things. One, like the word Catholic, I figured out, it means universal. And so everywhere you go, it's the same thing, right? It's just you're in a different venue. And I also learned that some of these churches are so beautiful. Like, I don't know what we can do, but we can't lose them. Do you worry about the future of the faith, seeing so many empty buildings? No, I don't worry about it at all. And why is that? So this is what I always say. Like back in the 50s, when TV first started, there was three stations. That was it. And they didn't have anything to put on the air. So they had a lot of religious. They had a Catholic show. They had a Jewish show and maybe a Protestant show. I'm not sure. But the, on the Catholic show, they had a guy. His name was Archbishop Fulton Sheen, mm-hmm. if you remember him. And he, he has a saying in that he says, I don't think... He says, I think thousands of people don't like the Catholic Church for what they think it is, but you couldn't find a hundred that hate it for what it really is, Hmm. right? So I know there's things going wrong with our church, but that's not the church. That's the people in the church. The church isn't doing it. It's the people. And And, and hopefully they're holding them accountable. The church can survive this. Yes. Just like it's it's survived many other things in this this long history that you've now delved into. Yeah. So last question for you. You've done this. You're now in your 51st year. Uh, what comes next for you? Are you on a mission this year as well? <laughs> no. This year, like last year, I had too many goals. I had a million of them. And it, I, I spin in my wheels, right? It's too many. So this year, I'm just taking it easy. It seems like you've earned that after yeah, this epic quest. Yeah, I'm just going to take it easy quest. this year. Yeah. Well, David Murphy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.